You're listening to Uncommon Thinking, an Advertising Week podcast. In this episode, recorded at Advertising Week New York, Academy Award-winning actor, best-selling author, and Wild Turkey creative director Matthew McConaughey sits down with Apple Music One's Zane Lowe to discuss the importance of forging your own path, listening to your instincts, and trusting your spirit to drive creativity. Having always moved to the beat of his own drum in the name of authenticity, McConaughey and Lowe get real on topics like creative ruts, the search for inspiration, and creating real connections through brand stories. Matthew McConaughey, as I live and breathe. Let me see. Hello, Zane. How are we doing, sir? Good. How's it going? Man, it's going, going. uh, It's lively. Life is quite lively right now. We're here for Advertising Week. We're here to talk about the power of persistence and trusting your spirit. These are wonderful topics, and you're a great person to talk to them about. So I don't know how I got here, but I'm happy to be here. Um, and we know we're also at a year anniversary of the book, pretty much a year since you were a New York yeah. Times bestseller and you released your well-loved memoir. And that's going to feature quite prominently, I think, through the conversation, just because that DNA is now for everybody to absorb. Um, it was yours for most of you know for your life up to that point, and then you know you shared those thinkings, those learnings. And I'm sure that that, to some degree, has you know continues to inform your creative. And we find ourselves here to talk about your work as, you know, chief storyteller, uh, and you know, creative director of Wild Turkey and the you know Trust Your Spirit campaign. So I guess the first question, Matthew, is, how did you come up with this really great play on words? The idea of obviously liquor being a spirit, but the spirit being yeah. something that you know we can't tame and truly understand. Well, that was actually Josh Combs, um, who I work with. Um, he came up with that trust your spirit. It was immediately like, Oh, okay. got the play on words, which is nice, low hanging fruit. But then it was like, that's, that's going to work. That's right online. And the narrative of the story we've been telling uh, the values we've been uh, putting out there with wild Turkey from the beginning, which the first ones that I, that we put out that when I came on directed was the, it'll find you, you know, uh, mm-hmm. about being yourself. And, and when you are yourself, what you need will find you. Uh, then we went to uh, uh, the second campaign, which was Wonder What If. Uh, that laid into the value of taking the risk, nonconformity, dream, seek. And then to follow it up with a third prong, this one, trust your spirit. Um, you know, timely in a time right now where trust is at an all-time low <laughs> around not only our country, but a lot of ways the world, um, to come in and hopefully in a culturally relevant nudge uh, in this uncertain world, say, hey, trust yourself. You know, you know. It's one of the great things my acting coach of 19 years would always would always preach to me. And she wouldn't ask permission when she said it, but she would she'd be like, you know. She'd always be like, you know how much trouble you get into when you when you'd listen to other people and do what they say. Yeah. And that's not saying, you know, run out there and just be a tyrant. No, it's saying you know. You know what you got to do. I love that as kids, we're, we, you know, we're told a lot when we're indulging in our own interests and, and our own sort of uh, ambitions to, to don't be so self-involved. Uh, to, you know, it's a, it's a short step to narcissism. And I, and I understand that there's concern, especially within the people who love you. They want you to be aware of others. But I think we need to get some more self-awareness going on in, in multiple places. If we, if we do check in, when we do in our lives check in with, with what's inside and listen to our yeah. spirit. Yeah. What do we find? We don't find, we don't become isolationist. We actually find the monologue so we can have the dialogue. We if actually get lucky, to know ourselves. If you're, 
If you're lucky, you do. A lot of the times when you go in and you get to a place of stillness and you search for the inner voice, there's everybody else. You have to you have to get through everybody else and every other distraction and everything else to find that voice. It's very tricky finding your inner voice. It is not something full of yourself is hard. Yes, and I'll say this. When it gets hard, don't pull the parachute. Hang in there. That's part of it. You got to go through and you'll get past it. And all of a sudden, it's never easy in the beginning. Yeah. It's, I still take trips on my own now. And I'm 51 years young and got a family and a lot of things that I should be like, oh, life's good. I still take yeah. a trip now. First five days are hard when they're on my own. I do not like the company. I'm not enjoying the inner dialogue. And I got to sometimes want to go, I want to go back home. No, no, no. That's exactly why I need to stay and not go back home. Get through it. And all of a sudden you come out the other side going, oh, now I hear you. Oh, okay, buddy. I guess you're the one person I'm stuck with. The one person I can't get rid of, which is true for all of us. And then you start to hear your spirit and you start to listen to it, shake hands with it. Well, that's the interesting part about the, these subjects, right? Which is the power of persistence and trusting your spirit. Because if you look at them on paper, they could seem, they could seem in contrast to one another. Yep. Right. Trusting your spirit is about finding yourself in a position where you strive to let go and you achieve enough of a space to be able to let go, which happens right. to you up to five days. But in order to get there, the power of persistence is a fine line between control and letting go. And it's leaning on the side of control. Ooh, ooh, ooh. This is about control. Yep. So it's like one complements the other. But for a long time, these two are in, in combat. Yeah. It takes a while for the contradiction to become a paradox. Um, and it is partially, damn it, just get your shoes on and get out the door. This is the hardest part about the workout, mm -hmm. you know, not the actual workout. Um, it, it, it does, it does become hard. It, I, I find that in life, I think it is true for all of us. I've succeeded in life by writing the headlines first, setting the goal and then and trying to engineer and persist and work my ass off to get to it, and make it happen. I've also had my spiritual successes and clarities when I've, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just putting my shoes on and getting out the door and I got to yeah. figure out how to fly on the way down. I want to know where I'm going. I don't want to know how I'm going to get there. Create your weather, then blow in the wind. You know, if we're going to go run around doing back backflips naked in the, in the sandbox, I'm just saying, well, before we do that, let's just go check and see if there's any broken glass in there. Hey, I want to do a backflip. I want to do. I want to do a backflip off the off the off the springboard in the pool. What? It's okay to check and see if there's water in the pool first. Well, what you're talking about here is instinct and diligence. Uh, now, I, you strike me as someone who shoots from instinct, but does like to do the diligence. You like to ensure that your instinct is on course. Anything, not enough instinct. And not enough diligence means your instinct is driving your decisions and that, that's where, where risks are taken and rash behavior exists. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's, that's that, oh, what's that term now? Hard work and smart work? You know, yeah. I, I, instincts tell you what, and now that I know what, okay, I'm going to learn the rules. I'm going to prepare. I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to be deliberate. You know, we, we you can't just, for me, I don't think we, could, we should just create, creatively go, Hey man, I'm an expert because I say I am. I know what to do because hey, I just I'll just do what I do. I had that idea that I went down that line of thinking. It bit me in the backside one time. When let me tell you. Okay, so I get started in my movie career in days confused. Three lines turned into three weeks work. Mm -hmm. I improvised. I riffed. I had instincts for it. A few years later in my career, I'm starting to run into 
dead end. I'm going to the auditions. I'm not getting the roles. I'm just not happening. I'm, 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 I'm for the first time starting to learn what acting is and what the craft is. And because now I'm getting an, in, an intellect about it and conscious of what I had an instinct for, I'm it getting comes tired. It comes in time. Okay. So all of a sudden I get, I'm getting ticked off at this. All of a sudden I get this offer on this role, blind offer on this role, no audition needed. I say, yes, I'll go do it. And now my bright idea comes. All right, Matthew, you need to go back and do it how you did it in the beginning when you were just instincts, three lines into, into three weeks work. So my choice was don't read the script. Don't read the scene. Just be, just tell me what the scenario is. I'll show up and be my man and do what my man would do. <laughs> bright idea, right? Well, I, I show up. I, I, show, I think you're telling me it is, but I think you're crazy. Yeah, check this out. Like, if I was your friend back then and you were like, bright idea, right? I'd have gone, no, Matthew, not a bright idea. But I didn't ask anybody's permission. I didn't float it by any of my buddies. Maybe I should have. So anyway, I show up on set this day to work. And I know my man. I know the scenario. Press record, call action. I'll do what my man would do and say what my man would say. Well, right before reaction's called, I obviously get a little anxiety that this plan may have a loophole in it. And I asked the production assistant and say, can you give me the sides? Let me just peek at the scene. And my idea, seconds before I'm about to go on, are like, if it's written well, it'll be like, well, obviously that's what I'd say. And if it's not, I'll just say what I would say and what my man would do. Well, I look at it, standing on my mark, page one. Page two, page three, page four. Uh, can I get 12 minutes? <laughs> now, why did I ask for 12 minutes? Why 12? Well, one, because I figured that wouldn't be too much time to be inconsiderate to the crew to walk away. But two, and the main reason is because it was a four-page monologue. By my guy, my guy, in Spanish. And I go through my head that, hey, you took Spanish one semester as a sophomore in high school. 12 minutes, but 12 minutes will be enough to go learn four pages. <laughs> this is only 20 years ago, and I have to leave the room right now. <laughs> uh, so I was, I was right about the 12 minutes not inconveniencing the crew, but I was wrong in the fact that 12 minutes would be in the, in the and the idea that 12 minutes would be enough time to learn a four-page monologue in Spanish. Now, I beat a sweat goes up on my back of my neck. I After that day of work, I don't know what I did in that scene. I've never had the courage to watch it. On the way home, I pulled over on the side of the road and started crying and just, just so damn angry with myself. And I said, never again, man. Don't you ever put yourself in that damn position again, Matthew. No, you missed the mark, bro. You missed it. And what I've learned from that day is, yeah, prepare to have freedom. You got to have some structure, gravity to have your freedom. You got to have responsibility to have freedom. What was the role where you got it just right? What was the mm. role where instinct and diligence work together in perfect harmony? Great question. Um, I feel like that's happened for, for quite a few, for me on the personal experience. Um, whether the whole movie worked or the whole, you know, is, is another thing. I would say, Look, let me bring up a great story with Dallas Fires Club, which worked for me and I won an Oscar for. I knew, I studied Ron Woodruff, the man. I had uh, hours and hours of tapes and the script was well written and, 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 and I studied and knew things. 
But when his family gave me his diary, that's when I had my secret weapon. Nothing in that diary was in the script, but now I was being introduced to the man who he was before he ever even contacted HIV. Mm. While he had it, what he would, what his Socratic dialogue with himself was mm-hmm. and his confusion and pain and frustration and longing and striving was. And he was having the dialogue with himself in his diary. That's yeah. when I had the secret weapon. Yeah, so then, then you get to play the human being, not the AIDS patient or not the person he became to people, but yep. the actual human. Bingo. That's it. And I remember, you know, one of the great things about that story was he was not the white knight, wave the flag, come over, come on, we're going to, we're going to take it. We're oppressed guy. He wasn't, he was a businessman and he was trying to survive very selfishly. He's a selfish businessman. He became an icon and a leader for that movement and then like, hey, let's get some, let, let's get the opportunity to, to, to medicate ourselves in ways that can, can, can help heal us. But that was not his ever, he didn't set out to do that. Um, and I remember saying, hey, the more selfish you remain just a businessman trying to survive, his humanity will hopefully expose itself and you'll see that humanity come out. Trust that, trust that. And I think I did, and I think it made humanity comes out of that character. But I never played. Oh, I want to be the he, he's he should be the leader, or he 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 should be the, for the cause, you know, primarily. Yeah, you know, it's funny because success has come to you quickly in life, but and and then you've manifested it, made it your own. But ultimately, through all of the challenges, you've reached the ultimate triumph, which is that you seem to have an understanding of what success is how it relates to you as a human being to others. And you seem to be comfortable with that. And that's just not the case in a lot of people that I've spent my life talking to and others who come through it. So my question to you is what do you need to understand before you can be truly understood by people? To, to be understood that, uh, to be the awareness of that reciprocity and that exchange, you know, I think I heard this quote one time uh, um, to, to, to communicate, to go out and get a, a, a a like response from the soul that you give off from someone else that life, the music of life, our engagement with life, nature, people, relationships, ourselves, there, it's, it's constant reverb. It's constantly yes. shucking and jiving and handing off and passing the baton and passing it back. And it's a, it's a reciprocity effect daily, uh, momentarily. Um, and I think that's part of understanding that, Hey, we can all have different vocabularies, but we're all speaking the same language. You're talking micro macro and what you, to me, at least the macro being the greater good, the idea of being self-aware to create greater awareness, but the micro being, how am I presenting my best self in order to receive the best reflection of myself? Um, I see this all the time in artists, musicians who um, find themselves absorbing the music of a hero, translating it into their own voice, making enough of a distinction so that the music they make feels original to them. And the DNA of those heroes, those touch points and inspirations flows through, but never overtly. And yet somehow they find themselves on the receiving end of this, um, you know, qualification, the support, this love from the artists that inspire them in the first place. They find themselves sharing stages, sharing studios, sharing phone numbers and friendships and life experiences with people that put them on this path. And it was, it was Janelle Monet who said to me, we, we create, to your point, you called it reverb, a vibration 
Yep. So that when someone hears the music that I'm playing, they hear themselves yep. in me. Yep. And they see themselves in me. So they're naturally drawn towards me. And the connection that began in a bedroom on headphones is complete. Hence the art of living. Yeah. Um, that's, 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 that's it. <laughs> that's it. You know, and then, you know, for, when do you live in the first person and when do you live in the third person? You know what I mean? Why, why let's look at the other side of that. Why do so many freshman albums so awesome and the sophomore one sucks? Cause they got right, conscious. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, right, right. you started, you, you, you got a reflection. The world became a mirror. The first one, you didn't have a mirror. You well, in this world of extreme awareness, more awareness than we've ever had, we are the ability, and whether we choose to do it or not, we are living more in the third person now than ever. Yeah. So to use the sports analogy, man, you know, staying in the game of life, you're running the kickoff back for a touchdown. You kind of want to look up there at the jumbo Jumbotron and see how you look. <laughs> but that's when you're going to get caught from behind. <laughs> so how do we pop out? You know, it's why I'm a fan of people you talking about themselves in third person, you know, boxers and athletes do it. I love it. It's actually great for awareness. Pop outside yourself. Have a look. How you doing? Yeah. See if you're looking how you're feeling. And obviously life is best when we look as good as we feel and we feel as good as we look. You know, see if it's matching what, what your intention is. But you can't stay there. You got to come back and be and behave in the moment and be subjective and not ask permission and not be worrying about what it looks like. But it's ah, nice to hop out one. and have a view. That's a good one. Permission. All right. Let's talk yeah. about that for a second, right? The art of no. There's a reason why a lot of people go on to make bad films or bad art or bad music or bad decisions in life. It doesn't have to be within the arts. It's because we're not saying no enough. Right. And that's from fear, right? You have to say yes, because otherwise someone's going to take it away from you. Now, when did you really learn the art of no? Well, I'm still learning it. And you're right on, though, man. If people need to realize there's the great power in no, especially if you got in a position where you've gotten successful. You, 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 you know, successful people have to deal with the yeses more. And what it means, what you're saying, what do you, you don't say yes to everything. Yes, everything is not progress. No. It's blah, it's like yeah. it's it's not like you have no space. You have no space no, to decisions when you're saying yes to all the bad ones too. Right. There's no freedom without responsibility. You gotta have the you gotta have the resistance. You gotta have some gravity, some structure to make your choices on. Um, I'll tell you a great time in my life when I was doing very successful at all my rom coms. And so successful that I was not being offered or allowed to do anything else that I wanted to do. So because I couldn't do what I wanted to do, the dramas and stuff that I was wanting to do, I said, well, I'm going to quit doing what I've been doing, which were the rom-coms. Now I got to, had to check myself. I had to check my money, man. I had to check my agent. I had to check my wife. Cause I was like, I may not be working for some time now, <laughs> a long time. Yeah. Um, and I chose to do it. No to rom-coms. Nothing but rom-coms offers came in for six straight months. I said no to everything. Call my agent after six months and nothing's coming in now. He says, buddy, I hadn't even heard your name. <laughs> your name is not even being brought up. Oh, geez. A year goes by. A year and a half goes by. Nothing. Nothing. 20 months go by and I'm going, well, how about that one, McConaughey? I think you just might have wrote yourself a one-way ticket out of Hollywood, buddy. Better start thinking about maybe another vocation, another career. But you never thought about going back? Not if I did. No, I, I had, I'd, I'd, 
not to do rom-coms. I, by that time, I was, a bit of, uh, I was also into pride. Like, I'm, I'm out and endure this thing. I'm in so deep now. No way I'm going back. You know what I mean? Now, I you check this out. In Hollywood. I love this, right? It's like two friends who fall out, and then you see them after three years, and you say, I'm so glad we're friends again. And the other friend goes, we fell out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So I, I did. I, and, 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 and 20 months go by, I'm thinking about another vocation. Yeah. All of a sudden... Phone rings, Lincoln Lawyer, Killer Joe, Paperboy, Bernie, Magic Mike, True Detective, all those movies, Mud, uh, Dallas Fires Club. I go nail them. Now, why? Well, because I unbranded. Yeah. For two years, I was not in your living room or in a theater in a romantic comedy. For the first six months, it's like, well, that's all we want him for, but he ain't doing them. After, the next year after that, I was like, where is he? I got anonymity. You know, and an artist needs some anonymity. We have to protect our anonymity to create, you know. And in the anonymity that I found, also uh, the, the industry now goes, you know who a new novel, <laughs> interesting idea is for this drama? Matthew McConaughey. Mm -hmm. Well, sure as hell wasn't two years before. Mm -hmm. So that would be one of the times where a no really paid off for me. What was the yes? What was the yes that, that pushed your instinct into diligence, but your diligence was saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Because that has a voice too. And that likes to get ahead of instinct all the time. Here are the facts. Here are the things that people are telling you. Here's everybody else's opinions. That stuff is there to distract your instinct. So what was the hard yes that you had to make that turned out to be a great decision? Well, it's one, it's one I made with myself. I'm going to go back and tell you a story. It was about a time to kill. I get offered the role of, uh, I think, Freddie Lee Cobb. Uh, he th Keith, Kiefer Sutherland ended up playing it. It was like number eight on the call sheet. I read the part. I, I get it. Oh, man, this is a big Warner Brothers movie. Joe Schumacher's directing. John Grisham novel. I like this novel. Yes. Love to go play this part. And I'm like, what about the lead, man? What about this guy, Jake Brigantz? And as I say it to myself, I'm also like, yeah, right. Good luck. Yeah, I'm, I'm not in that caliber yet. There, no one's, no, Hollywood ain't looking for me to come play a lead. I hadn't played a lead yet. I've only done a couple of films. But I say, well, BS, man. Let's go after this guy. And I was like, then I was like, okay, how do I do this? And I go, well, I got a meeting with the director to talk about the Freddie Lee Cobra. I got a meeting with Joel Schumacher tomorrow afternoon at Warner Brothers Live. I said, I got so like, to spot. I'm going to jack this meeting. I'm going to hijack it. Okay. But, but, I, but I got, but I'm cool enough to go. I got to pick my spot. Right. I got to pick my spot. I got to find the opening and I go to the meeting. I'm wearing a sleeveless John Mellencamp shirt and I'm smoking cigarettes. I'm <laughs> 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 laying back. So good. We talk about the role of Freddie Lee Cobb. It's all great. We're going to be great in it. We're going to have a good time. Everything. The meeting's just about over. Say, who's playing the lead role, Jake McGann's? He says, you know, Matthew, I don't know. Um, who do you think should? I think I should. <laughs> he starts laughing. Oh, it's a great idea, Matthew. That's so good. But guess what? Never going to happen. Oh, great. That's so good, but not going to happen. Okay, I planted the seed though. 
Yeah. All right. Now I leave there. They're having trouble finding the lead. Costner was, they said, was too old at the time. Woody Harrelson, the studio, wanted, but John Grisham didn't want the guy who was in Natural Born Killers to play him in the movie Time to Kill. Uh, that's out. At the same time, Sandra Bullock's got a movie, While You Were Sleeping, where she was more of an unknown, and all of a sudden she's got a big hit movie, and she can greenlight movies on her own now, and she's yep, already yep. cast in the role of Roe Arc. The timeline's going. they got locations. Everyone else is cast. All we need is the role of Jake Brigance. Well, what about Matthew McConaughey? Well, let's screen test it. Call you in on a Sunday, Matthew. It's Mother's Day. Or on Fairfax, not at a studio, because if you don't, if you, you're probably not going to get the role. And I don't want it to be on your resume in Hollywood that you tried and didn't get it. That's why we're going to do it in a secret location. But come in, read for it. I go in, read for it. Next thing I know, I get a call from John Grisham and Joel Schumacher. You want to play Jake McGant? Hell yeah, I do. Boom. Man, that is serious. Like, that is called holding the line. That is called holding. And I love when you talked about, like, you planted the seed. Yeah. It's such an important thing. We're in such a hurry to achieve the results. And this plays into the power of persistence to achieve results quickly because we're faced with fast results. And, and we feel if we're not keeping up with that, then yeah. so we don't, we, don't, we don't figure out that there's a process to this. No. And that sometimes that seed takes time to grow. And you seem to yep. truly understand that. I try to. I mean, look, man, I, I you know, hey, put your, throw your hat in the, in the ring. Keep, you know, those opportunities show up. Mm-hmm. And usually when we go, mm, should I? They close and they're gone. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, you get older, you start to realize, take more risk. Failing doesn't hurt as bad as I thought it would. You know what I mean? All you did was fall down and fail. So freaking what in the big game, you know, and usually what do you find? We, we, we don't want to hear everyone chanting from the sideline, which they do today. Talking about living in third person. Now more than ever, people from the sideline go, ah, na 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 boo boo. Ha ha. Well, you know yeah. what? F them. That's why they're on the sideline. That's why they're That's in the freaking bleachers, man. Fear feeding fear, right? Fear of failure drives others to keep people in a failed state because yep. then they don't feel like they failed. The fear dissipates. Now, you've talked about needing to fail. And this is, by the way, as a parent, you're a parent. This is kind of a 101 scenario if you try to instill a modern approach to life within your kids, which is don't be afraid to fail. That's been drilled in over enough time now where I feel like that's in the handbook. But for you, getting past that, because I know that you try and live by that and share that philosophy, what does failure feel like? If I'm, I'm not one of those guys and never have been who's like so competitive i got to win at everything very early on around 16 years around no around 21 when i found acting and storytelling as what i wanted to do and what i wanted to be great at i was like failing in that in acting to not hit the mark as an actor hate it that time in scorpion string i failed on that movie where I was supposed to, I had a four page monologue in Spanish. I failed to prepare. I embarrassed myself. I did not hit the mark. I hated that. I don't want to feel that way anymore. Now, I'm a decent ping pong player, but when my buddy Woody beats me in ping pong, it doesn't hurt. I'm not, ugh, I'm not staying up at night. You know, I, there's a lot of things that I think I'm kind of good at that I don't have to be the winner in. And if I don't, if I fail at them, I don't get that upset. I've got things that I, that, that I, that I, 
do not like the feeling at all failing my career, uh, fatherhood, husbandry, my family, um, uh, how well am I treat myself? I don't like failing at those. Those things, those tick me off. And those when I do close, fail. Those are close to the bone. Those things are close to the bone. You talk about fear of failure within your family circle, which is really about how you perform as a father or I yeah. perform as a father. But sometimes we see our children struggle with things. And even though we offer them unconditional support, I don't know if you feel this, but I feel this thing in my stomach where I almost take it personally because I feel like it's my failing and I have to remember that it's not, it's their journey. Do you have that too? Oh, heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. You know, it's, it's, what's the first thing we notice as a parent? Well, it's not as much uh, uh, environment as I thought. It's a lot more DNA than I thought. Yeah. Oh my God. I read that in the book and it's so true. And I looked at my kids on the birthing table. Both of them are as they are. Yeah, I, you know, I just, I'm like, I try to treat it like this. You got, you know, kids aren't afraid to fall. They aren't afraid of heights until they fall. Mm. Mm. And when our children go out and take risks and get out on the proverbial limbs of life, how high is that limb before we as parents, as fathers step in and go, whoa, whoa, hey, 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 hey. Well, you don't want to get them off the, that limb that's just six feet off the ground and they're going to fall down on some St. Augustine grass. If they fall, it might bump their head and might cry for a second, but that'd be a decent fall. <laughs> they might need to learn from that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get them off of that. Don't go, Whoa, 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 no, 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 no. you'll make them scared of taking risk. You'll make them scared to climb higher. Yeah. But at the same time you come out there and you go, Hey daddy. And you look up and they're like 35 feet up and it's, it's a tarmac down below. And you're like, Oh, shit uh how do i get them <laughs> this is what i don't want them to fall this is going to be more than a bruise yeah how do i get them down from that trouble. limb yeah then you're in trust trouble because you, you you're very the very core value of trusting your own in, your instincts and the instincts of the people that you love more than anyone more than yourself yep Woo, that's tough that's a that's yep. a tough to be. It's, it's a doozy man so how do you get them down or to come down to safety without alarming them. Because remember, they're not afraid to fall. They're not afraid of heights. They've never yeah, fallen. They don't know yet. They don't know yet. <laughs> you know, you just don't want the, the fall to be a, a really bad one. You don't have to go to the emergency room. Like I said, come over here. Let's rub, let's rub that strawberry or fix that, that bruise. That's maybe a good fall for them to take on their own. Uh, but how do you do it without alarming them? You know, hey, oh, come here, come check this thing out down here. Take your time. It's not a rush. Easy. Come on down here. Yeah, dinner time, whatever that is. <laughs> you want to slowly get them down, you know, without making them go, oh, I'm supposed I'm to be afraid. I'm never right. doing it again. I'm yeah. never doing that again. Yeah. 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 It's true. It's about encouraging people to be bring it, to bring it back to brand, to know your spirit. And the word spirit is fascinating to me. Because it talks, it's something that is both tangible and intangible. It is the idea of believing in an energy field that works really outside of our own ability to, to of comprehension, our, our, our ability mm -hmm. to comprehend what that is. I feel like you've work, been working that into your, into your work now for a while. You've been sometimes subversively and sometimes overtly working that and even in a role like Mark Hanna. Now, Mark Hanna... Mm is a capitalist narcissist. 
<laughs> and yet somehow he's trying to inspire somebody to be an even better capitalist narcissist, <laughs> but he's doing it with these spiritual mantras, which to me was such a brilliant contradiction. And I thought it was really clever. And I wondered how you worked that in because those two things are diametrically opposed in, according to history. Uh, isn't it fun bringing opposition together? We're back to the beginning of our conversation. That was a really good one. That was a good one. We find the music in there and sometimes it's funny. It's an original joke. It's an original wisdom, whatever that is. So, so also humor. Yeah. It's got a humor. There's great value in, 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 in humor. And as I talked about the Ron Woodruff and Dallas Buyers Club, sticking to him as the capitalist revealed the humanity. Don't go play the white, yeah. the flag bearer. Stick to the capitalist businessman. Well, so this, here's how that comes about. So I'm doing that before each take. That's a rhythm, a beat that I had come up with for my man, Mark Hanna, in that scene. I always come up with a beat. I'll take my drums with me or find a beat for every character I play in every scene. Yeah. That was the beat for Mark Hanna in that scene. So I'm doing that. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm also doing it to lower my voice so I can <clears throat> get my bass down, which hitting your, physically hitting your chest is good for that. I'm also doing it to get out of my mind, quit thinking, find a rhythm, make it musical. And I'm the also... Mar the march rhythm is there, right? Because to me, it's because you have created this imaginary march down... Wall Street, which is almost this instinctive tribal type experience, which is right. just money. We march for money, right? Left and right doesn't matter. Just money, do. money, focus, hey. money, money. And it's more. almost like an army of people just wanting yeah. money. I'm just yeah. fascinated by the way you picked that rhythm and made it like almost like something that was, you know, 500 years old. Well, check, check this out. And, and, and to, to finish the prep work, why I was doing that before it ever got in, in, in the film. I'm also doing it because I'm on a Martin Scorsese film with Leonardo DiCaprio for the first time in my life, and I'm a little nervous. And I want everyone in that room to go, who's the freak? I want to feel like I'm on an island. I want everyone in the room to go, who's the freaking weirdo? I said, I just, I want the pressure. I love that. You're the guy who goes into the party and keeps their headphones on, so someone comes up and asks, what are you listening to? I love that. <laughs> I had to, I need to put myself on an island, you know, to like overcome it. And so... We do a few takes. I never do that in the take. I always stop. As soon as we go action, I stop and Leonardo and I do the scene. Well, we do like five, six takes. We got it. Basically, somewhat of the, basically the performance you see in there now. And Marty's laughing. He's happy. I'm happy. Leonardo's happy. All right, moving on. And Leonardo raises his hand and goes, hang on a second, Marty. And he leans up and he goes, hey, what's that thing you're doing before the take? And I told him what I just told you. And he goes, what if you did that in the scene? I'm like, great idea. Let's go. He turns around and goes, Marty, one more. Well, the one more is the take you see. Outrageous. One more is the take you see. Outrageous. And so, so I do it at the beginning of the scene. You just knew how to weave that in straight away. Well, no, here's, no, I know I'm going to start with it. I'm, it's just a launch pad. I'm just launching in and then I go into my spiel. As I'm getting to the end of my spiel, I'm like, I start to anticipate. Let's book in this. 
after I've let him know the lay of the land, let's bring it back up and see if he now has the beat and is on rhythm and is copacetic to what I just taught him. And if he is now, we're on time. Now you got, wow. and you got dual things going on here. You're not only asking the character, the wolf, to join in this, this parade. You're asking Leo, whose idea it was, to figure out how he fits into this mantra, which you use for yourself. And he does it so, oh, it's so lovely. Good. Oh, a oh, little, little oh, look, kind of, kind of looking around. <laughs> and then he, he brought it back up in the movie. He did. Yeah. He told me that uh, a couple of weeks after. He was like, you'll see, you'll see. I brought it back up. I kept it alive. I love it. Science and spirituality are two things that are wrestling to, to love one another in real time. Yep. It's happening more and more. And I feel like it's actually one of the keys that's going to unlock things for the, for the, for the, for the better. Um, one of the movies I really loved that, that, that dives into that is Interstellar. It's about finding a balance between science and spirituality. Did that, did finding that balance in the movie speak to you as a person? Is that something that you relate to? Well, something I definitely relate to daily as a person. I, I, I think science is the practical pursuit of God. Um, and it's the pursuit. It's always the pursuit. If you just... If you only believe in science, you great, but you never get off the boat. If you only believe in the spirit or you're only a believer, but you don't believe in science, well, you're just, you're, 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 you're missing <laughs> things, odd things in life, how to go through the day to day. Mm -hmm. uh, but the spirit, whatever your level, your belief is, whether it's in a God or your own transcendent self or a better tomorrow for yourself and other people, that's a, that's an aspiration. I think that I think the, the the place where we as humanity have to shake hands is that you brought it up earlier. It's not a destination. You don't show up and have a ta-da moment. You don't get to the top of the peak and go, I finally made it. They're all false peaks. They're worth climbing. But the best we can do is get to the end of this life and look back and say, how many stairs did I make it up? You never get to the top. There is no top. <laughs> you just keep pursuing it. And if we can look at ourselves and life and you know, democracy and civilization as a pursuit, an aspiration, that's as good as it gets. You stay in the race, you commit to the chase, you stay in the game. Um, now with Interstellar, that my main, my main sort of understanding with that was here's a, here's a man whose dream was to be an astronaut, to explore the unknown. And now that he finally has his chance to, he has dependence and gravity and family that's holding him on earth, reason to stay and be responsible for. But here's the first chance I get to do what I was made to do. It's the great trade. Uh, it's the great trade. It's yeah. the great trade. If you're lucky enough, you get to that crossroads in life. If you're lucky enough. You get to that. Wow. Process. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tough, tough one. But I hear you. I like how you, I like how you made it an upfall as, as a great trade. Awful, an awesome trade. Nobody, no one wants to go through it, but if you're lucky enough, you get a chance to. Um, Amen. You're, you're a platform guy, man. That's what I love about you is that, you know, you don't shy away from finding the right platform to make the right myth, to make the right statement and, and help people. You know, you know, someone who, who shies away from searching for a, another avenue. And, you know, your work here with Wild Turkey is really interesting to me because we've seen people in the arts work in the advertising space, you know, a lot. 
And often it's a pretty, it, it can be a challenging trade because it does, yep. it does feel, it does feel like a check more than a respect, right? Yep. You've yep. definitely made it. Certainly, I don't know how big the check is, but you certainly make it feel like respect. And I wonder whether or not, you know, going in and trying to find this platform and subverting it even a little bit, using the idea of, of working closely with the brand and reaching people using messages like know your spirit, um, you know, all the things you've done, whether that was yeah. attractive to you. How do I twist this and make this work for people, not just for myself and for the brand? Great observation. Um you know, it used to be maybe 20 years ago for me, and I think for, for most people in my position with ads and stuff uh, um, or going into the ad world, it was kind of like, yeah, it's a check. Go get the check. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and Or just do, let me do, I'll do the ad, but it can only, it can't run in North America. You know what I mean? Yeah, Whatever. Yeah. It, only only in Japan. Simple trade. You know? Simple trade. It's a trade. It's yeah. a bada. Yeah. Yeah. And... I know when I, when I got into specifically this relationship with Wild Turkey or even my work with Lincoln, I said, yeah, check's good. I want it. Now, can I make this where it's definitely got to be more than a check? Can I make it where it's got to be more? And then my next step was it's got to be more than, well, I don't think this can harm me. No. Can I make this where, no, this is another, this is a story I want to be a part of telling. This value. is, this yeah. is an asset. I'm going to make, this is an asset. It's going to feed the, the, the character and the core of, of uh, the integrity that I've already earned, so to speak. Um, and so that was my choice and that's going into it. And I always, before these choices and anybody else that I'm going to, companies that I'll talk to, whether it's how I'm involved with them, after we or before we talk about any money, let's talk about here's what I here's what I can essentially bring that I know why you're coming to me. Let's make sure we're we're synonymous with why, because I don't want to go play in another part. I, I, I can play another part, but I have to essentially be me. And this has to I don't want this to siphon my credibility, which mm. they can do. These things can do. You've seen them. We see the celebrity soliciting the product. You feel the sale. You feel them going, oh, geez, they just walked in, hit the mark and did it. And they didn't really believe that. It's, it, there, there's a scale for pain and this is not high on it, but it's still painful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's, that's, that's very important to me, and especially now in my life. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm 51. I've, I've, I've earned some currency to get here. I'm, 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 I want to be responsible with how I, how I spend it. Um, I'm trying to make legacy choices, things that, I can leave behind for my kids to have on things that I'll look back on and go, yeah, I like that. That, that that's that's a nice album in the that's a nice song in the album of of my okay. life. And and I love marketing. I love the sell, and I love that. And I believe that great selling, you don't know you're being sold. And I don't mean that as being it is manipulation, but it's not subversive. It's not like oh, I'm trying to pick your pocket. There is some we know all those ads that tell you new and improved. You're like, wait, what was wrong with the original? Um, but <laughs> You know, if, if a product, it's an other things I had going for me. I like the product. I actually partake of the product. <laughs> Wild turkey. Uh, you know it's what like I mean? I, when musicians were struggling to find their way into brand marketing and, and the advertising space, this must be back in the early 2000s, and any band that touched a certain brand that was a high-powered or high-level, high-street brand got crucified, right? Especially if you're credible. Yeah. 
I remember when the white stripes came out. I think they did an ad for a, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about other brands here, but whatever, you cut it off, I can't. Uh, they did an ad for Coke, Coca-Cola. And everyone was like, not the white stripes, the bastions of indie <laughs> rock. What are you doing? And he just said, I drink it. Bingo. That's it. You know, so if you partake, if you like the product, that was another part of my measure. Well, I, no, I actually partake. I like it. I prefer it. And then I deconstruct that and I go, man, I'm a patriot. It's an American brand. Bourbon's an American invention. Mm. It's red, white, and blue. That SOB. You know what I mean? I, so it, it, it fit, it marked, it checked all my boxes and then got in and was very clear from the beginning, hey, I'm not interested in just being the face. I like this creative stuff. I like the storytelling. I like being the chief storyteller. And let's let, teach me about the brand. Where are we right now? And years ago, you know, there was, when I first got in with the relationship with Wild Turkey, it was like, you know, there's a challenge. It was still, Wild Turkey was a little, a dusty bottle that needed dusting off. It, uh, we got, we got a younger generation choosing bourbon as their spirit of choice. We got a, it's an intro, Wild Turkey is an introduction to them. It's a, and how do we at the same time reintroduce it to the people that already know about it that maybe thought it was kind of, you know, redneck gut rot. You know what I mean? We've got an introduction and a reintroduction. Um, how do we dust off that bottle? That was the, that was the early sort of opportunity for us in how we approached uh, uh, the, the campaigns. Now we're on our feet. It's, it's, it's choice and we're, you know, we've got a cool thing with this new bottle, the new 101 bottle, even by appearance, which we worked on, looks like it's worth 30 more dollars than, than it did. And it's the same juice inside it. Um, also, I didn't have to come up with new wild ideas. I went and hung out with the Russell family. They're legends, man. They talk about people who just said persistent. I'm doing it our way. This is how I'm doing it. They made it through prohibition like that. Everyone else went bourbon light. They said, nope, this is our one-on-one mash. We'll stick to it. Well, now that everyone come out and wants bourbon and they don't want bourbon light, here's Wild Turkey going, oh, we got bottles for you right here on the shelf and we've been making them. <laughs> and our distillery, we're ready. We can export. Um, and so our values lined up, me and them as a family, um, the way we kind of did things, what we cared about, what we didn't care about, um, and so as soon as I found the synergy with the family, the brand, and then have been continue to work on that with, uh, wild Turkey in the, in the, in the marketing company, it's, do you use that word that you use all the time? Authentic. I want to make sure I get a couple uh, specific ones in, you know, I talked about, uh, the one year anniversary of your New York times bestselling memoir, right? Which is called green lights and congratulations, you know, really Thank amazing you. work really compelling. Um, we're inundated with memoirs and why, why, why shouldn't it be? Everyone should be entitled to tell the story the way they want to tell it, but not everyone needs to read it. A lot of people did. Um, I wonder kind of where it left you after that and a year on what you filled that space with. I look at memoirs as a chance to reduce the amount of space that has been filled with your life. You take it from 80, 90 in the red, the meter goes down to probably about 30, 40, 50, depending on how transparent you are. You have all this space to start filling with things. Yep. What have you been filling it with? Woo, great question. Cause I've been filling it with a lot, but not necessarily a lot of new stuff. I found myself wanting to fill it with new things, new ideas, other ventures that I was ignorant of to maybe see if I can pull them off, which I have a tendency and love to do. Mm. But where I, what I've really been doing and what I'm actually doing is spending more time with the 
little sculpting knife sculpting what I already got. I'm going, man, it's right there. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on a writing retreat right now. Been here for eight days. Oh, I'm looking at the stuff I got. I'm like, you don't need to write anything new, bro. You just need to edit the stuff you have that you've been writing for the last two and a half years since you wrote the last book. You've crystallized a lot of ideas. They've evolved. It's not re- it's not green lights too, but boy, it's something new. It's a, it's about a lot of the stuff we've been talking about. And I was like, there it is. It's in front of you. Um, music, comedy, lessons learned, how to look our angels in the eye and our devils in the eye and not just admit we got devils and it's actually understand that it's necessary to feed them as well. Um, and, you know, I'm enjoying right now going, here's a little proposition I got for you. So we all lie to ourselves and the world lies to us. Let's just admit this. And once we admit it, I'm not saying, so tell the truth. No, I'm saying, but once we admit it, yeah. a beautiful thing happens. We're not liars anymore. We become great bullshitters. <laughs> <laughs> and I love a great bullshitter. And if you we were be, all just better bullshitters, I think we'd be all friends. be doing better. You gotta be, a, if you can't deny them, you gotta at least be friends with your flaws. Come on. <laughs> you know? And I think that is, is, is actually in a fun way, as I like to say, I like to sell Sunday morning like a Saturday night in a fun way is how we'll, we can evolve as, 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 as people. Actually, you know, there's a way to make the broccoli taste good. There's a, you know, let's take, let's not tell the partiers and the irresponsible ones to quit partying. No, let's just go show up how they can party better. And if they party better, they can party longer and more. Um, and, and that's, you know, let's, let's take, let's take, let's take a little rock and roll Sunday morning church and let's take a little gospel music to the 3am rave. Yeah. That's called the black Pumas, by the way, keep it on brand. And um, they are actually the, the tune that's over our trust your spirit. I know that. Come on, man. Keep up. I was throwing I was, out I, I was saying that for everybody else. I was hitting you with a softball, man. It was, that wasn't hitting you with a slider. Right out of Austin, Texas. Come on. Hey, do you ever think about the life you've created in relation to the life you were given and how they relate to each other? That's what the beauty of writing the book was for me. That's, I think, the beauty of, uh, of a memoir or the self-involvement we're talking about. I've always been a look forward guy. Man. I don't even have to see. I haven't even seen all my movies. I, I, I did. Why? I did them. I was there. <laughs> it's like what I like said about memory. What's it? What's everyone caught up with memory for? What do you What's this thing about? Remember? What do you mean? I was there. You know, so I've never been a look back over my shoulder guy. And that's what I was forced to do with looking at my 37 years of journals to write the book. Scary proposition. Embarrassment, shame, guilt. For the beginning, but I didn't pull the parachute. Mm. And all of a sudden found myself laughing at stuff I was embarrassed about going, eh, you already forgave yourself. It's time to forgive yourself for that thing you felt guilty about. And then, you know, well, you missed the mark on that one. Yeah. You had a reason to feel shameful, but I'm glad that's in the past. All of a sudden those foibles in my past, I started to look them in the eye and go, eh, okay, nice to have a look at them, but it's okay. That's part of life. I think it is for, 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 for all of us. I go back as much as I've, you know, have broken a chain in my life of family and how I was raised and who my parents were. Yeah. But at the same time, 
it all makes perfect sense. If you even say on the basis of what my career is, a performer, a storyteller. I grew up in a family of the greatest storytellers I've ever been around. My mom wouldn't let us watch TV. And I remember she say this since we were three years old. You're not going to watch somebody do something you can get out there and go do yourself. Well, that's pretty much the damn best acting lesson I've ever heard. <laughs> Don't act like one, be one, go do it. Don't watch somebody else do it, do it. You know, so do I look back and go, oh, it was all there. They were, it, it completely connects. You know, I like to say this, going forward is a mystery, but looking back is a science. We connect all the dots. It's a science to how we got to this exact moment. Everybody can do it. It may be a crooked line, but it all connects. The next moment's a mystery. So going back and getting the science of my past was really uh, filled me up, gave me conscious, gave me opened up my peripheral vision, actually, to not really just have blinders on only for what's going forward, to actually appreciate being able to look over your shoulder and go, what's up? Howdy. What's up, buddy? You know, because I like to say this, man, what's the one person we're stuck with? What's the one person we got to sleep in bed with every night. What's the one person we can't get you know rid of? What my mom says, just be yourself because everyone else is taken. And uh, and that's all you got really at the end of the day, man. I mean, that's to, to me, it comes down to two key words, which I think has been a thread through our chat, which is let go. And, you know, we, we show enough persistence to get to that place where we're able to relinquish control and, and have faith and trust. Again, words that kept coming through this conversation, yep, faith yep. and trust in the process. Another word that comes through this conversation to ultimately reach another step on the journey. Another word yep. that keeps coming up in this conversation yep. to reach the end of something. When we do what? We let go. And that is it. It's, 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 I had a, you know, I was up at a, 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 a volcano a couple months ago in, in Hawaii and, and a little things, truths will come land on you sometimes. And the thought was, you gotta let you gotta let go to climb. You gotta let go to climb. There it is. Um, there it is. And and that's actually another word to get what you said, trust. But also, it's forgiveness, mm. which is part of the part of climbing, I think, as well for a lot of people and a lot of us at different times in our life. All right, cheeky cheeky half question before a good decent end question. Cheeky half question is: I never watch my movies. This is not shocking to me. The amount of artists that listen to their music after they've recorded is like next to nothing. In fact, one of the only people who actually came out and openly admitted that, which gave me faith in the process. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to swear here, but I'm just going to try it anyway. Was Josh from Queens of the Stone Age? Who, when I said to him, "Do you listen to your own music?" and he said, "Fuck yeah, I used to listen to Caius records before I went out and played in Caius." So I love that. <laughs> I know most people don't do that. But my question to you, Matthew McConaughey, is what film have you watched? If it comes on TV, you will allow yourself left, right. No one's looking. No one's judging. I'm going to enjoy this because it may not even just be about you. It may be just one that you love. Watch what film is that? Tropic Thunder. Oh, wow. Anytime that's on is a good time to leave it on. <laughs> oh, man, that's good comedy. I don't think you'd get away with making that today. No, it's so wouldn't. it's so good and it's so funny. And it is anytime it's on, just leave it on. Even if you turn it on and you're in the middle of it, leave it on. Tom Cruise. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Tom yes. Cruise. G Tom Nickel. <laughs> so persistence is one thing. Driving the spirit within which we try to constantly keep alive and feed, feeding our spirit, moving forward. You're writing. You're moving forward. 
You're on the slate for Batman. I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see how you step into that universe. If that's I am, which is that's what I saw. Is that not the case? I, shoot, first I've heard it, but hey, it happens this way sometimes. Oh, okay. I don't know whether you're like stonewalling me or not. I just trust. No, I'm serious. Which maybe the internet's wrong then, or maybe they're right. I did. This is the first I've heard it though. I need to like show some persistence and trust my spirit, uh, dude. This has been a real joy. Um, I've really enjoyed talking with you. Um, we got off on the bad foot and I ended on a bad foot, but everything in between was the good part. <laughs> well, you know, it is. The middle part is life. Living's the hardest part or the funnest part. Dude, you're a, you're a, you, know, you really are an inspiring human being and a great artist and a great author. And I think that should be recognized. You're a great author. Thank you, you're Zane. a great writer. You have a great, written, great vibe with the written word. And congratulations on, on this. And thanks to Advertising Week and Wild Turkey and everybody for giving me a chance to, you know, get a chance to, to chop it up with you. I hope I get to do it again sometime. Boy, me too. Yeah. Thanks, Advertising Week. Thank you, Wild Turkey. And thank you, Zane. Like I said, handpicked you. A bunch of people came across. I said, music rhythm zane and i will jam and it has been a great jam session and thank you for doing it thanks for listening if you enjoyed this podcast please consider subscribing and leaving a positive review for more podcasts and content like this and to find out more about advertising week's world-leading events for the advertising marketing and technology industries visit www.advertisingweek.com uncommon thinking will return in two weeks with another new episode